You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're scratching the itch to talk about a band that you might not want to Google. (laughs) Definitely not. Especially not at work. That's for sure. That's it. This is an NSFW. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because they're actually quite wholesome and and friendly and happy. But the new pornographers is, is something that will no doubt lead to some strange stuff if you put it in a search engine. Yeah, and really quick before we go too too much further, when we played them on our college station, they called them the new peas. That's right. <laughs> I knew Casey would remember that one. <laughs> I distinctly remember that. That we played the new pornographers on 891 the Wood, KCLC, but we could not say pornographer on the air. <laughs> That's funny because my only recollection of that band was uh rock band. Oh, yeah. What song do they have in Rock Band? Do you you probably don't remember? That's all right. Not off the top of my head. No, that's interesting. I didn't know they were in Rock Band. I didn't really know about them at the time. There's what's interesting. So the itch has a bit that I do on social media. Sometimes it's it's always me because I'm the only one that really is like an indie rock person at all, where I call it the itch goes indie. And it's where I comment on, you know, here's a really good song by, you know, this band that isn't generally something we're going to cover on the podcast. So this is, I believe, our first what I would call a truly indie rock band episode of the show yeah it's a rare thing but the guys humor me and i humor them we humor each other because we all have slightly individual tastes but it all blends together into something pretty cool anyway (laughs) the new pornographers are indie rock darlings they have been around for over 20 years and their first few albums are regarded as like guitar pop masterpieces of of the genre i however despite being the guy on the itch that really enjoys them, didn't discover them until a few years ago, like well past their hipster peak, as it were, (laughs) (laughs) where the the kids were really into them and and the wood was playing them. They're still active. They are still good. They are still putting out quality work. But, you know, everybody has a pinnacle of their popularity. And at this point, they've they've definitely... um, been around long enough that they're kind of just an ongoing royalty, like in that scene, I believe. But nonetheless, uh, this is a band that I kind of started listening to them on a whim. They were name dropped in some other podcast that I was listening to one time. And I was like, let's give them a shot and check this out. And I was like, okay, this, this is working. And the, the further I went into it, the more it worked. I was like, these guys have like a solid stretch of like four albums in a row that I can listen to more or less start to finish without skipping a lot of tracks. And so that's impressive. And that happened in 2020, 2021. So they very much were one of those bands that helped me get through the pandemic. (laughs) And also keep in mind that that 2020, 2021, when we were starting this podcast was when I was sort of reintegrating into the, the heavier side of things after not paying that much attention to it for a few years. Yeah. So these guys were kind of, you know, in between there were the kind of sound that I had really grown to appreciate in the meantime, in between like full time itch <laughs> uh, yeah. work. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they're what's called a super group, but it's kind of one of those things where 
in the same manner that most bands are quote super groups in that their people have done stuff before they got to that band because most musicians don't you know land their primary project right off the bat most or all of the members here have other projects or are like solo artists it's it's a band led by largely led by three people more often than not by two these days that's carl newman uh nico case and Dan Behar are the three primary singers and songwriters for the for the group. And they're all established solo artists. But I would say that probably none outside of Nico maybe are actually bigger than the new pornographers itself as a unit. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So they came together, you know, in, in the late 90s uh, in Vancouver, which is like remains like a hotbed for that genre of of kind of happy guitar pop. <laughs> and they've been going strong ever since it's they're kind of like an off and on thing because the other members do have so many other projects that it's kind of like we get together and record when our schedules align basically and that's why dan behar who has written he writes multiple songs for almost every album the last couple albums he's had like maybe one appearance because he just wasn't available at that time which i think is really interesting as sort of a as a band it's like more of like a collective like, yeah, it's a Voltron situation. Like, we're all going <laughs> to yeah. combine our powers into this thing. Yeah. And then we're going to go do our own things on the side, you know. Right. Fair enough. So this is my first time getting to see them. I'd been wanting to for the last couple of years. And because they are kind of sporadic in their performance, I, I had to take an opportunity. So I actually bought this ticket in like February for a May show, which is incredibly abnormal for me because I'm pretty much living week to week in terms of what the heck am I going to do? Right. Uh <laughs> Well, and before you get too much further into that, um, might as well say this for like the fourth time now. Uh, we had quite the the week in the opening week of May. Understatement. Yeah. So Dan and I saw Head PE on the second. We traveled to Nashville the next day to see Chemical Fire on the third, and then we booked it back home to interview Grandson on the fourth. And then Aaron booked it back to Chicago to watch the new pornographers. There's four big events for the itch. The three I was involved in were all in different cities in three consecutive days. So that was a hectic week. Yeah. But a fantastic week. And and we've might have noted before, but I had also bought at the same time, I bought the same day actually that I got pornographers tickets. I got tickets to see Finch and then ended up having to skip out on that one for for the chemical fire show so i've learned my lesson about doing stuff in advance <laughs> from now on i will purely be winging all of my concert appearances <laughs> it's the only way that it works as you should as i should also side note um i don't know if i ever told you guys this but related to the the new peas thing this is a band that i like enough to own a shirt by but i'm hesitant to own a shirt by <laughs> Because there are too many children in my life for me to actively want to have to explain to them what that word means. Yeah. Well, and I was, <laughs> I was going to ask you if they like lean into the, the name really hard with like some lewd merch no, or something. Like, not just- at all. <laughs> it's just their name. In fact, in fact, one time and I wish they do more of this because I thought it was cute. One time they leaned the opposite way and they made the safe version of their material. They, they made some merchandise that branded them as the news photographers. Oh, <laughs> and that's fun. Have they ever explained <laughs> why they decided to name themselves that? Yeah. So I've heard two stories. One of them is that Carl Newman, the 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 kind of main front man, 
came up with it after he watched this Japanese film called The Pornographers, which is not <laughs> a pornographic film. Yeah. But just a film with that title. Gotcha. And then I, somewhere, and don't quote me on this because it's definitely not verbatim, I remember hearing something to the effect of like, someone had heard a quote somewhere that was something to the effect of like, music is the new pornography. And so they kind of adapted that as, you know, this is what we're doing as as artists and musicians. Okay. That's the best I know. But it's, it's that, like, again, it's a name that doesn't really say anything about them, in my opinion, especially nothing that would be, you know, unfamily friendly there. I would call them a quite family friendly band, aside from you might not want to wear the T-shirt unless you want to talk to your kids about some stuff they might not be ready for. <laughs> Nobody's ready for that. Nobody. <laughs> Fair point. So here we are. That's where I'm at. I've also battled with that one in terms of getting a vinyl to put on the wall and the eventual <laughs> vinyl wall because, well, it's the same problem, but I might just bite the bullet and do it on that one. Nonetheless. Yeah. So they've been around um, since 97. They've put out albums since 2000. They just a couple months ago put out Continue as a Guest, which is their ninth album. Their first one since uh, 2019. And they're a band that still charts like all of their stuff uh, outside of their first and so far their most recent has has made it onto the Billboard 200 and the U.S. rock charts. Interestingly enough, the U.S. rock charts and the U.S. indie charts. Hmm. I, I just I was just imagining seeing them next to like Five Finger Death Punch on yeah. some, on, a, on a list somewhere <laughs> and how weird that would be. But uh, <laughs> but I love this sound. It's just it's a, th- a kind of thing you put on when you want to feel good. It's this jangly. It's power pop. It's catchy and hooky. And I'm a super sucker for multiple vocalists and harmonies. Mm-hmm. And so seeing these guys live, there's officially six members of the band. Wow. One of the first notes that I made and we'll get into the show here now because we, I think we've we've let off enough, but. How with six members on stage, like how do they not run into each other? Well, I got I got a couple of things to say to that. <laughs> For one, there are six members of the band. This concert, whenever I walked into the venue, I went and saw this show at Talia Hall in Pilsen in Chicago. Second time or so being there. It's a giant cathedral looking thing with questionable acoustics, but nonetheless. And they did the best they could with it because they're a band that doesn't need a whole lot of help with their acoustics because they're that tight. When they took the stage, I was like, holy cow, there are seven people up there. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to welcome you guys, our guest, um, like uh, this other indie artist, like a friend of ours is going to be joining us for tonight's performance. So there was eight of them. And that's pretty impressive. The short answer to your question is it was a big stage and none of them really like hopped around and moved from their spot too much. Everybody had their place and they more or less hung out there the whole time. That makes sense. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like a mosh pit or a jump up and down band. So it was the complete opposite of the Midwest Avengers is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen to that episode for the cross reference. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Talia Hall. I was already wiped uh, because of all the excitement of the past few days for that. So a band called Wild Pink opened for them. And I, I, I'm not familiar with them. And I just didn't have the energy to familiarize myself with them. So I just showed up in time for the new pornographers. That was the best I could do at that point, And I'm fine with that. A couple observations I had at this show, the venue was quite freaking hot. Um, I know we've had our adventures with <laughs> yeah. overheated venues before. 
and and it was packed. It was it was a sold out show. They've been doing this tour and they actually added a second date in Chicago specifically because they sold out the first one so quick. They're like, well, let's let's do more. Yeah. And so it was it was a packed house and that is a good deal for them. I also we've discussed things like this before. I realized as I was looking around that I was more or less the exact age as the crowd, like on average. <laughs> All right. I feel like when we go to shows, usually we feel like we're a little older, or a little younger. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Sometimes a lot younger, depending on the artist. <laughs> but or, or a lot older, depending yeah. on the artist. In this one, at first I looked around and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm a little I think I'm a little younger than these guys. And then I was like, wait, hold on. How old am I? How old? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, I think I'm their age. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I just don't feel it. But yeah. <laughs> so it was a, it was an audience that I would assume that the majority of the people there were give or take 40, give or yeah. take a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very fun set. I'm not going to name drop too many songs for you guys sake, maybe a few for listeners that might be familiar with them, but I know I know it'll fall on deaf ears yeah. with you guys and that's fine. But I don't know. I don't know how your guys mileage, but for me anytime you have a deal where most if not all the band members sing it's cool yeah i love it the the whole band except for i think the bassist hmm. had microphones and sang at some point or another and it just creates this beautiful chorus of, of voices and that you know they take turns there are some where where carl is you know the lead there are some where nico is the lead uh occasionally somewhere catherine another member of the band is the lead and so it keeps things very fresh going through a set when it's always changing up like that throughout. Yeah. And that's really cool. Like I said, I listened to these guys a ton during the pandemic in 2020, 2021. I haven't really listened to them since then. So what was great was that going into this concert, every song was familiar once they started playing it. But it was always a surprise because I had no idea what to expect. And it had been a minute since I heard it. Right. So literally almost every track was like, oh, yeah, sweet. That's what this one is. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah. Except for the ones on the new album, which they played a ton of. They played like seven out of their 24 songs in their set were Mm -hmm. from the new album. They were really hammering it home. And those ones, I felt like the crowd, I felt like the crowd wasn't as into them because they didn't have as much time to be familiar with them as, as you know, an older song would be. But with almost every single one of them, those songs got major applause when they were finished. So it, it... you know, it sounds like there's still some crowd pleasers going on even well into their ninth album here. Yeah. So kudos to them for that. And that's hard to do, especially nine albums in. Yeah. If you can still come up with stuff that feels right in your set list and that the crowd is still responding to instead of just like politely waiting for you to get back to the stuff they like. Yeah. That's a very good deal. I was going to say that's kind of a completely different take on what we experienced with Chemical Fire because we only knew the one song. Right. <laughs> I knew I knew all of these songs. I mean, not so much the new ones as much because I've only been listening to that album a couple times. Yeah. But I, I really went into a deep dive uh, a couple years back and like every month I would get a different one of their yeah. albums and then just spend like a month like that was the only thing I listened to. So I was very familiar by the time, you know, this came around. Humorously, they uh, they mentioned fairly early on the set that it was the 20th anniversary of their second album called Electric Version, to which Carl noted, my family celebrates Electric Version Eve more than the actual day because it was Electric Version Anniversary Eve 
I thought that was kind of funny. But then they <laughs> didn't play a song from that album at that time. Uh, like they went on this whole spiel <laughs> about it and then and then just moved on. Missed opportunity. That's funny. They did play some songs from it at different points, but not at that point. And I thought that was kind of funny. Then like you just talked about the anniversary of this album as a huge deal for you guys, and then you played a brand new song instead. <laughs> <laughs> They've moved on. Yeah. He also made a note, and I if anybody listens to this that was that is from Chicago or was at Chicago or has any idea what Carl was referencing, please let me know because I am very curious. He specifically noted uh, he started to kind of go down memory lane in the middle of the show. He's like, I remember the first time we, we played here in Chicago. And then he goes, but it was at a place that's now kind of controversial. So let's not talk about it. No idea what he was referring to. Really interested in discerning what this controversial Chicago venue is so that I can go there. And <laughs> it's now a porn shop. Maybe that's it. That's the controversy. <laughs> it was a little bit too fitting, uh, so we don't talk about it. <laughs> One thing I appreciate about bands like this is that you got people who they're playing their regular instrument. You got your guitarist, your bass, your drums, a couple of vocalists. Uh, Carl's usually on guitar while he's singing. They also had a woman who who was on the keys and the synths. And then they had a guy who had he had a synth. He also played the saxophone time and again, and then various other things just throughout. So you had like a multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. And then Nico would randomly play percussion. There was one song where she just had the uh, the tambourine rocking out. There was one song where she literally was playing just drumsticks, just tapping them against each other, <laughs> which was really neat. Yeah. Good old woodblock. Just curious, the trumpet player didn't have like long hair and didn't look like a hippie, did he? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Just making sure. The, yeah. I'm just, I'm just playing. Go ahead. <laughs> I, there was no hippies on stage that I could that I could tell. Maybe hipsters, but not hippies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was it was such a fun set. Um, you had a saxophone solo, multiple saxophone solos, actually. I should say. You had some real standout tracks. I, I do want to note uh, "High Ticket Attractions," which is one of the first songs that I heard about them, which is. It's a great song about the, how do we put this? The circus that is American politics mm. and cult of personalities and such things. Nice. And uh, that one was was fantastic live. I did notice that a time or two, the lights were blue during songs that were on albums that I know have blue covers. And that might just be me being weird, but it also <laughs> might have been a very clever intentional move. <laughs> yeah. Probably Who knows. Not really sure. Yeah. I also want to know that despite other people being kind of the spokesperson and and the head of the, the band, as the set was going, I never realized how good the bass lines were for this this act. And and maybe I'll link to to one song in particular that I'm thinking of, which is called Falling Down the Stairs of Your Smile. <laughs> that has just just the coolest bass line. I feel like the basis of this band, his name is John Collins, might be like low key, the MVP. Okay. Like he, he's the he's the unsung hero for sure. That makes sense. Sometimes you find that out in a band whenever you see him live. You're like, OK, I see what this guy's contributing right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did you do any shirt alerts? You know, not really. That's <laughs> <laughs> OK. I wrote one shirt and it was a guy wearing a sub pop record shirt. Okay. That's all I had. Nah. And I was wearing my Juliana Theory shirt, 
I'm not really sure why. I think I just decided it was the closest approximation I had to this. <laughs> and so maybe I could be a little advertisement for a recommended if you like kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just curious. They had a very interesting note that I you don't see that often, but I kind of kind of liked. And it was a, there were signs around the venue before you went in that said the new pornographers politely request no film or photography during the show. So it was a very rare show where you did not see people's phones out. Yeah. Except for mine, because I take notes on it during concerts, but <laughs> not like out <laughs> and about or, you know, playing yeah. around and stuff. Or me. Or Casey recording all the songs. Every song. <laughs> Every song. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like was another missed opportunity a little bit. Because you know how back in the day, rock concerts holding up a lighter during like yeah, the songs was a big thing. And now it's holding up your cell phone light. Yep. Holding up a lighter gets hot and it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. You definitely can't do that at an indoor venue, especially these days, but a cell phone. So the new pornographers have this one song called Brill Bruisers, which is the name of one of their albums. And it's about it's basically their take on, you know, the joy and experience of performing live. And the chorus talks about the sea was all lighters and talking about, you know, the lighters in the crowd that they're looking out over. And obviously you can't have real lighters in that kind of venue, but I still think there's a missed opportunity to call for people to, to bust out their phones and break out their lights for that one, because it's still the approximation, you know, and that song was fantastic live, but I feel like it was missing the actual, you know, quote unquote lighters to, to add that much more to the environment. Yeah, that makes sense. I would have done that if it was me. Should have started it. Yeah. Oh, you probably didn't have a lighter on you. Not a real lighter. No, I'd, I had my phone. I could have been the guy that busted it out and just kind of swung my, my cell phone light and blinded people with it. Yep, that was all <laughs> on you. You missed your opportunity there. That's me. I'm I'm a bad new pornographers fan. <laughs> I apologize to the band and all the attendees at Thalia Hall. The single guy with the one light. Yeah, that was me. The guy, <laughs> the guy with one light. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> was there any interesting things that you saw in the crowd like a guy on ecstasy or <laughs> there was not everyone everyone in that 40-ish crowd seemed to have their stuff in order pretty well <laughs> nothing crazy going on just a lot of people appreciating some good catchy uh licks and musicianship you know <laughs> it was nothing nothing nearly as fun as as you guys' recent head PE experience. <laughs> we seem to attract the experiences or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This was also one where I was deliberately kind of trying to stay out of anything. Yeah. Like I was yeah. I was off to the very side. I was on my own at this one. So I wasn't really socializing. I wasn't really exploring that much. I was wiped. I was just happy to be there. And I was ready to go home as soon as it was, as it was over. And standing. Yeah, I was standing you know, for an hour and a half or whatever for the show, just chilling. But, you know, I think I think everybody seemed to have a good time and everybody seemed to to be OK. It's uh, it's a venue that definitely has a bar, but nobody was wild. The new pornographer show isn't really the kind of environment. For that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and this is the end of a week for you where you were uh, basically on your third city in the last three days. That's exactly right. Yeah. I crashed pretty hard the next morning. I can only imagine. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. yeah, that was this. I was just trying to make it to this show. Like, I, I was just happy to do that. And then for a second, I thought about pushing myself even further and going to the second show because I, I did find like a couple of resale tickets to the Saturday one. Yeah. But I looked it up because I wanted to double check. So 
on our chemical fire road trip, Dan and Casey and I were discussing our excitement about the Metallica show coming up, wherein they are playing two entirely different no repeat sets on each of those like two city dates, right? Yeah. This was not a thing where the new pornographers were doing back to backs in every city. This was like an add on show. So I was I was like, I bet that they're going to largely play the same set because they have they don't have a whole second set prepared. They've been rehearsing this one. There are a handful of songs that they've been kind of swapping in and out here and there. And so I think on their second set, when I look back at it, I didn't end up going, but I did look at it. They played the other ones that they have been playing on the tour here and there but it was still like 75% the same thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So as great as it would have been, and as much as I would have enjoyed myself, even hearing them again, back to back nights, I also didn't want to shell out 50 bucks, which is what that, you know, Ticketmaster resale price would have been after everything that we had done and spent throughout the week. Yeah. So this had to tide me over for a while. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But for anybody out there who is into the indie side of things, again, I know it's not the itch's immediate forte, but we do dabble a little bit. I dabble. And uh, <laughs> and this is uh, just a highly recommended act. Uh, you're, you're not going to find, you know, much more excellence in musicianship, I don't think. So very good show. Very much worth the trouble <laughs> that it took to finally get myself there. They closed out with the Bleeding Heart show, which is probably their biggest song. They have so many good songs that I literally went home the next day and made out a list of stuff they didn't play that could have been an entire set of stuff that I would have loved to hear. And that's without complaining about the selections they had. They made good choices, but they're as far as that genre goes, they're just, they're so rich and had so many albums that were so solid that you almost can't go wrong by just like throwing a dart and seeing what song it lands on. Cool. Sounds like you had a good time. I did have a good time. It was a great experience. It was a great cap to the week. It was a change of pace. Yeah. You know, Chemical Fire was that that heavy and intense stuff. Grandson also very intense. And Lean's, you know, talking about him and listening to his album that week. Lean's much more into that, like, alternative hip hop. So I got a lot of diversity in my week in those three days. You did. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that. That's something that I love about music is there's so much different stuff that you can dive into and enjoy for all kinds of different reasons. Each one of those three experiences was a, was a an excellent one in its own right. Was there a particular song that you love the most that you heard? Mm, the Bleeding Heart show is always a hit because it kind of ends in this giant like party of hey yas, okay. yeah. <laughs> which was which is so that's a really a very solid one. I would say that that's probably one of the biggest ones. I mentioned high ticket attractions. There's a song called Champions of Red Wine that that Nico sings and I think is probably one of her like most beautiful vocal performances. And then just it was a cool experience to just be one of those deals where seeing them live, you just get to see what each person brings to the table. It's not necessarily one of those bands that we've talked about where it's like, oh, I got to pay attention to each person. I was, I was it was more subtle getting... than that. No, yeah, yeah, nobody was out there. None of them were like super crazy or like. <laughs> flamboyant yeah, yeah 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 they're just good musicians i was just getting ready to ask you was there was there like a particular person that you were focused on or were you mostly just kind of looking at whoever was the lead vocalist for a certain song it was everywhere it was everywhere like i said the bassist really stood out to me their drummer is a is a guy named joe cedars and joe if i mispronounce your name i apologize 
And his drums had this fantastic thick sound to them. Like, I'm not going to call it heavy. This isn't hard rock still. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. it had it had weight and like like a pump to it. Gotcha. And so it made it very dancey and like bigger feeling, which was really cool. Nice. So, yeah, everybody. It was just a, it was just cool to see people who are like masters of their craft, basically. Is really what I would call it. It's not it's not one of those deals where you're running around or where one guy's like this charismatic magnet. It's just a whole bunch of people who are very good at what they do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, glad glad you got to cap off your your crazy uh, rock star life there. Yeah, there it was. <laughs> there it was. Let us know what indie bands you're currently digging. I know Andy. Wow, Andy. Who the fuck is Andy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great botch too. Classic. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I know Aaron's always looking for suggestions. So please help him out and make his job a lot easier. You know, I'd be name dropping them Canadian bands. I'm talking about Mother Mother every couple of months on this show. Just sliding them in there. There you go. Just thank you very much for listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, unlike this band's name, stay clean. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the Itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.